G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Have you ever tried to make a deal with God? A very young pastor, Greg Laurie, recounts how he used to bargain with God to help get out of a jam. We were driving along and it was raining and suddenly our car started fishtailing. We started losing control. And, you know, and I remember crying out, oh, God, help me. Get me out of this one. I'll serve you. I'll obey you. I'll do this and do that. And all of a sudden our car, we got back in the lane. I went, God had got me out of another fix, but I wasn't going to serve him. This is the day when the lost are found. joined us for this special edition of A New Beginning. It's part of our series of the most requested messages of the past year. And we're digging into the archives today as Pastor Greg Laurie takes us back over 40 years to a time when he was still only a young Christian. What you're about to hear is a recording of a message given by Pastor Greg in 1977 when he was just 24 years old. Now for a little context, here's the current day Greg Laurie chatting with his good friend Dave Spiker about how he feels listening to his younger self. started out by asking him whether he still agreed with everything younger Greg had to say. The first thing I've got to ask you is, how do you feel about hearing your message from that long ago? Do you <laughs> do you agree with everything you said? <laughs> you know, that's actually a good question. You know what? The 66-year-old Greg Laurie likes the 24-year-old Greg Laurie. <laughs> uh, I agree with what young Greg said. And, uh, you know, he, he wasn't bad. He, here's what I like about him. His voice was very high. Uh, my voice has dropped a bit since then. He, he spoke very quickly. But what I like about him is he based it on the Bible. And that's how I started out. And that's where I still am because, you know, the power is in the Word of God, Dave. But this is a very unusual message in that I gave my complete testimony. And I was very interested to listen to it because, you know, as you go back in your memory, you wonder, do I remember thing exactly the way it happened? It's sort of like I came across the Dead Sea Scrolls of Greg. Like this was very close <laughs> to when it happened. It was only a few years after my conversion. And there were a few details uh, in this story that you're about to hear that I tell about my life that I had actually forgotten about. And I thought, oh, yeah, huh. that's right. I, I didn't mention that in my last uh, telling of my testimony. So it was really fascinating to listen to. It's almost like it's another person, but yet it is me. And uh, so we're going to play it for you now, a 24-year-old me uh, sharing my testimony of how I came to put my faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this is something I don't normally do because I don't like to dig up the past, but sometimes I think it's good to do for the point of just sharing 
what Christ can do in a life. And I want to just take a few minutes to go a little bit into my life before I knew the Lord and share a bit of my own personal testimony and how I came to know Jesus Christ. Right now I'm 24 years old and I accepted the Lord when I was 17 years old. I was going to Harbor High School. I was born in Long Beach in 1952 and my mom was married and divorced seven times. And so I had a really lousy childhood. I never had a father that I could find security in. I never had the family image, you know, Ozzy and Harriet type of a thing. <laughs> Milk and cookies after school. I never had that. I was brought up in an environment where I matured a little quicker than most children my age because when most kids were out playing baseball with their buddies and stuff, I was getting an insight into the very adult world that I was soon to join. And a lot of times they didn't have younger friends. I was around adults more than young kids and I watched them drink their way around and try to have fun and wake up the next morning. And, and I just looked at their lives and saw the emptiness in it really quickly. And I knew that I wanted something more, but I didn't know what I really wanted. So as a young boy and I got into school, I went into military school because my mom didn't have time to watch me. She had to work and believe it or not, I was a straight A student on the honor roll. Good kid, Private Lori, you know. <laughs> and as I was in military school, it got to a point where I was going to get out. And so I transferred out into a public school and I was so used to the discipline. And back in military school, you say, yes, sir, to your teachers and the teachers wear uniforms and you wear uniforms. And it's just like the army, except you're a bunch of little kids. You know, it's really kind of a strange place. And so I got out of military school into a public school and there was absolutely no discipline any longer. I could do whatever I want. So I totally reverted into my other nature, what I really wanted to be, and just basically was a rotten kid. In the sixth grade, I caused a lot of trouble. I caused so much trouble and made so many enemies, and I would write things on the blackboard when the teacher was gone and yell things at him in the middle of class and make up jokes and draw weird pictures of the teacher in various environments doing strange things. <laughs> and so they would call me into the office and tell me they were going to expel me my mom called him and said she would sue the school system if they expelled me, so they decided to leave me in school. And my teacher hated me so much that once when I was outside and the rest of the class were there, she said, you know what I'd like to do to Greg Laurie? I would like to bury him up to his neck in the sand and let red ants eat his head. I really, the teachers hated me. I went to Lincoln Junior High School. That's local around here. And I got in there and, you know, and I was starting to, to grow in that and all and noticing girls more. And, of course, I noticed girls before that by beginning to go out and date and, you know, the Sadie Hawkins dance and all that kind of stuff. But I always had a problem with girls. I was scared of them. I would get these big infatuations. I'd see a girl and fall in love with her. You know, I was always into meeting the perfect girl, but I'd get around it and I would freeze up. I didn't know what to say. I could talk to anybody, you know, make them laugh, say lots of things, but I'd get around a girl I like. My heart would start beating and I'd act like a total jerk, you know. So I got into high school. And at that point, I was starting to think about what direction I wanted to take in my life. I was thinking, you know, what do I want to be, really? And I looked around at the different types of people and we had every kind of guy in our high school. We had bikers, we had athletes, we had surfers, and we had the people who were into their study and all that. And, and I started looking over at the athletes. And I don't know about your schools, but the school I went to, this was Corona Del Mar High School, we had different sections where the athletes would stand in one section and the surfers would stand in another. 
The athletes would stand in one section with their letterman jacket, put one foot up on the planner, and their cheerleaders would stand around and drool, you know. <laughs> and if a freshman went through senior square in my school, they'd can them head first in the trash can. And then they had the surfer section, and this was this long planner, all the surfers sat. You know, it's funny, to me, surfers all look the same. You know, they got the blonde hair, cut in the hang tin t-shirts and the sandals. They all just sit there going, Stoka Boca, man, you know. So all the surfers sat in one part, and then there were these weird people, they hung around the vending machines, you know. I don't know what they were, they were, hey man, vending machines, you know. Strange. And then there were those who liked to hang around in the library and study at lunchtime. I never could understand that at all. And so I decided I wanted to go out for sports. Now, as you can see, I never was a great physically built person, but I was always good at, at track and running and things like that. And so I went out for football for a split end because I figured, you know, I don't have to sit around and get annihilated in the front line there. I can run out for passes and be a hero and all that. And so I went out for football, and I was doing pretty good, and it was hard because, you know, you got to get out there and hit these bags, and our coach was really some sort of a nut or something. He wanted you to hit this thing, this big metal thing with these pads on it, and hit it until your ears started bleeding. He go, bleed, rah! you know? So we did it, you know? It was that big macho image, be an athlete, and I worked and got the butch haircut and went out and got all my football equipment, and I was called into the office about a week before season started told I couldn't go out because my grades were too low. That really bummed me out because I'd worked for months, you know, in the training and after school and giving up my time. And I thought, oh, man, forget that. And so we'd go to dances at night and drink a six-pack of Colt 45 and that kind of thing. And then a friend of mine told me about smoking marijuana. Now, I had seen the movies, you know, in school that they show you that were made in 1930. <laughs> Where the guy smokes it and turns into a raving maniac and runs out and murders puppies and things like that. <laughs> My friend told me, he said, man, smoking grass is really good. You're really going to like it. And I said, no, it's bad, you know. Uh, and I had all these ideas in my mind, and he said, no, let's go ahead and do it. And so we sat down in this room, and it was really dark, and it was just like I thought it would be. And I was expecting the, you know, the police to come bursting open with submachine guns, Elliot Ness, you know. <laughs> Nothing happened. We got loaded, and I kind of liked it. So I thought, that's kind of fun. I think I'll get loaded and drink a little on the side. And again, it wasn't a big thing to me. It was still just a social thing. Just going through the normal antics, and I could walk across the campus, and everyone would come up to me and go, hey, Greg, hi, Greg, how you doing? I knew everybody. I was popular. But I didn't have any friends. You know, I didn't have anybody that I really could sit down and open myself up to. I always joked a lot, and I'd make fun of people and walk up and put them down, and that was my big act in life. But I was really, you know, empty inside, and I was trying to cover it over. Well, you're listening to A New Beginning today, a special edition of the program as we hear Pastor Greg Laurie from back in 1977. It's part of our series of most requested messages of the past year. It's called Greg Laurie, Then and Now. Who is this guy that we've been listening to <laughs> yeah, for the last Yeah, who's this crazy kid using our airtime today, this 24-year-old weirdo Talking, he has a very high voice and he speaks too quickly. He, oh wait, it's me. It's me from 42 years ago. 
Yeah, as we mentioned in the beginning of the program, Dave, we recently came across this old message that I did when I was 24 years old. And in this particular message, I share my story of how I came to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And so we thought our listeners might enjoy it. So we're going to pick up where we left off. Here's the rest of the story from a 24-year-old Greg Laurie. Hey, it rhymes. I started getting into smoking grass a little bit more, and this was in the 60s, and it was when the so-called hippie movement started gaining popularity. You know, tune in, turn on, drop out, Timothy Leary and all his garbage that he gave out and that kind of a thing. And I started seeing him on the news and hearing about these rock concerts and people coming into this hippie thing where, you know, you get natural with people and you love your brother and you love sisters and free love and loving at the park. And I thought, hey, man, that is where it's at. They've got the answer. And so I was getting in trouble a lot at Corona de Mar High School. I was called into the office just about every other day for something or another. So I decided to transfer to Newport Harbor High School because I'd heard that over at Harbor High, you could get loaded in the front lawn and no one would even hassle you. So I transferred over and, you know, it, it was mostly true. I started hanging around with a bunch of friends that were really into getting loaded and I started growing my hair long and doing the whole thing and really becoming a hippie, you know. I was so proud of myself. And so one day we went down to Laguna Beach. We were going to buy a kilo of grass. And we went down and got it and put it in the trunk of our car and we were driving back. It was a very rainy night. And driving near Laguna Beach along the cliffs, you know that, you know, if you go off a cliff, you're in trouble. And we were driving along and it was raining and suddenly our car started fishtailing. We started losing control and we slid into the other lane and we were going right into head-on traffic. And my friends were freaking out and I was in the back seat. And I saw the headlines in the paper the next morning, drug freaks killed on the freeway. And I could see the old ladies going, it serves them right, you know. And I thought, I don't want to go this way. And I remember crying out, God, if you get me out of this one, I'll serve you. I'll obey you. I'll do this and do that. And we're spinning out. And all of a sudden, our car, we got back in the lane. I went, thanks a lot, God, you know. God had got me out of another fix, but I wasn't going to serve him. Reminds me of the story of the guy that was slipping down a house. He was losing control. And he couldn't get hold of himself. And he's going, God, help me. God, help, help, help. And he was almost at the edge of the roof. And all of a sudden, his belt loop got caught on a nail. He said, it's okay, God. I got caught on a nail. <laughs> That's where I was at. Whenever God would get me out of a jam, I would say, you know, oh, it's all right, God. It worked out. Not realizing that he was the one that worked it out. And so it got to a point where I started to get loaded with my friends four, five, six times a day. I had about a DF average. I, I didn't care, though, you know. People would say, your grades are low. I'd say, who cares? What, what good is an education? What good is this life? I look at these people that tell me about an education, and I saw that they had so little, and, and they were so empty inside, and I thought I was really getting a real education. You know, I was learning about life the right way, I thought. And so we had an English class, and we were supposed to go watch uh, West Side Story and Romeo and Juliet for our class. And I loved Romeo and Juliet. That was one of my favorite movies because, again, I always had the thing, meeting the perfect girl and falling in love. And so I loved that movie. And I went and my friend said, hey, let's take LSD. Oh, hey, that'll really be good. So we took acid and sat in the movie. And I was sitting there watching the movie. Or I could have been watching The Wall for that fact, you know, just. <laughs> and this girl was sitting in front of us and she turned around for a minute and turned back. And I just looked at the girl. You know, here I was stoned watching Romeo and Juliet, and I see this girl, and I start going, there she is. I've met her finally, you know. 
And I knew that this was the one. And so I really wanted to meet this girl. So the next day, Monday at school, I was walking across the campus and I saw her. And I went, all right. She was talking to a friend of mine. I'll just walk right up there. And, and I looked down and she had a black book with gold edges on it. And I went, oh, no. She's a Jesus freak. Now, if you want to be popular in school, you don't become a Jesus freak. I just looked at her and, you know, wow, what a bummer. And so I started watching her and I'd watch her go across the campus. And I didn't like the Christians because the Christians would walk across the campus Monday morning at 8 o'clock, first period, and sing. You know, not, not Friday, fifth period, Monday, first period. And anyone that could be happy at that time was a little wacko as far as I was concerned. And they would be singing about Jesus and carrying their Bibles. And I just couldn't identify with that. And so I saw this girl. And one day I was sitting out in the front lawn. And a friend said, hey, there's a guy on campus, man. He's selling orange sunshine. That's LSD. And he says, why don't you go get some? I said, all right, you know, for the weekend. And so I went walking across the campus looking for this guy. And I started hearing this, you know, Jesus. And I looked over. And here's about 50 of these Christians sitting Love, love, love. Is that the way Christians dance, you know? <laughs> then they all point up to this guy. What are they pointing at? So I just looked at him and I saw that girl. Her name was Chris. And I saw her there and I went, there she is, man. And then I saw this guy talking. He was sitting down and he had long hair and a beard. And I said, wow, he kind of looks like sort of a turned on guy. Maybe he has some good things to say. Maybe I'll listen to this guy. So I sat down close enough to hear what they were saying. But not too close, so people would think I'd become one, you know, because don't want to do that. And I sat down and listened, and I kept looking at Chris, you know, going, oh, man, I'd sure like to get to know her. Then I started listening to this guy, and he said something that just shook me up. He said, Jesus said, you're either for me or against me. I thought, what? He said, Jesus said, you're either walking with me or you're scattering against me in opposition to me. And I stopped and thought, does that mean that if I'm not like one of these Christian that I'm against God and I thought I'm not against God man God's got me out of a lot of jams I believe in God you know I've called upon him and he's helped me out but yet I, I'm not like one of these people and I began to realize that either I was for Christ or against him now I was always considered to be neutral to myself you know in between but I realized that to be undecided at that point was to be decided it really touched my heart but of course you know I wasn't going to become a Christian it just touched my heart it was interesting <laughs> I mean, there's just no way I would become a Christian. And so the guy said, now there's some of you that want to give your lives to Christ today. I want you to stand up right now, right in the front of a high school. I mean, there's hundreds of kids sitting around eating sandwiches and, you know, to stand up there and go, Jesus. I mean, that just is crazy. People got up and started going up there and I looked out the ground and I started feeling this funny sensation inside. Something I'd never known before and it was a very alien sensation and it was something just drawing me and calling me. Now I know it was the Holy Spirit. And I looked down at the ground and I said, I, I'd like to do it. I really would, man. I'd like to see if it's real. I've tried everything else. Why couldn't I try that? But I, I just can't do it. And then about a moment later, I was up there. I don't know what happened, but I got up there and the people put their arms around me, which worried me a little bit. And they prayed a prayer. I don't even remember what I prayed. I don't even remember what happened. But all I remember was after we were done praying, that girl came running up to me and said, Praise the Lord, brother, that girl Chris I like, and threw her arms around me and hugged me. And I went, Oh! Hoo -hoo. 
And I thought, hey, maybe this Christian stuff isn't too bad of an idea. Again, my motivation for going in and hearing the meeting that time was totally wrong. I wanted to meet a girl, but the Holy Spirit had different plans for me. Pastor Greg Laurie, a young Pastor Greg Laurie at just 24 years old, giving us his testimony of how a troubled kid ended up coming to the Lord and serving the Lord. It's one of the earliest recordings of Pastor Greg's teaching, and it was one of the most requested presentations of this past year. Now tomorrow we'll have more from 1977, as Pastor Greg shares further about his journey to Christ. Join us as we continue right here, same time tomorrow, on A New Beginning. Now, for a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Pastor Greg Then and Now. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.